Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 254. Save time and headaches and increase credibility by creating citations as you write. Years ago, one of my clients updated me on her publishing journey. She turned in her manuscript on deadline, so that was a huge relief. Then her editor asked for one last piece she'd put off. And it took me two full weeks to track down everything for my end notes. Two weeks! This first-time author knew the editor would ask for end notes, but she had not kept track of them as she wrote. When words were flowing, forming chapters, shaping ideas, she didn't want to lose momentum fiddling around with citations, so she decided to solely focus on the writing, trusting that those end notes would be easy to put together later. After all, most of the books she mentioned in her text were stacked right next to her, ready to access after submitting her manuscript. She could find the direct quotes online again in a few clicks, right? Please, Anne, she said, I'm begging you to tell all your clients to document their sources along the way. Waiting until the end was a nightmare. Well, I have tried to convince the authors I coach to do just that. Document all sources along the way. More specifically, I recommend they create a citation at the moment they mention it in their draft or at the latest, create it before stepping away from that writing session. You think you'll come back to it the next morning, but it's easy to push off until later and later and later. And then your editor calls and you have to pull them together to submit a few days later. Now it's a pain to track these bits of information. Author Joanna Russ once wrote, I once asked a young dissertation writer whether her suddenly grayed hair was due to ill health or personal tragedy. She answered, it was the footnotes. It's tempting for authors to think of citations as a necessary evil, aging us, plaguing us. But in reality, they're a gift to our readers. They can dig deeper into the topic we introduce by visiting the websites, books, and podcasts we mention. Citations are also a gift to us. Heaven knows we want to avoid accusations of plagiarism, adhere to copyright laws, and make good faith efforts to track down the origin of a quote or statistic. I'm not a lawyer and I can't give legal advice, but giving credit where credit is due is a step in the right direction. A good start is to include attribution for direct quotes, paraphrased quotes, summarized ideas and information that aren't common knowledge, and paraphrased ideas and information that are not common knowledge. And any idea, statistic, framework, or content you didn't develop yourself. Create citations for any source, too. Physical books, Kindle books, websites, interviews, podcasts, seminars, conferences, and more. In doing so, you demonstrate your joining, even contributing to the larger conversation on this topic. But is blog post and social media citation overkill? You may associate footnotes and end notes with books and scholarly writing, but I hope you'll join me in citing sources in your digital writing as well, in blog posts articles, even social media posts. In years past, bloggers have generally taken a simpler approach, relying on linked text to credit sources. This minimized reader disruption and saved time. Parenthetical citation or cumbersome in-text mentions with signal text slow the flow. 
You can hear an example of this where I said, author Joanna Rust once wrote, that phrasing signaled a source. Did it slow you down? Did it bother you? Well, bloggers have generally viewed that style as clunky. Footnoting blog posts seemed over the top. And I myself used to think it was over the top as well. In the early days of blogging, no one else was adding footnotes, so I didn't bother. Until 2012, when I taught high school students a session about plagiarism. And the more I prepared for the session, the more I realized I wasn't following citation best practices in my own writing. Well, I wrote about it on my blog, vowing to do better. In the comments of that post, readers chimed in with a wide range of reactions. Some applauded footnoting even in blog posts, especially teachers. Others believed it would slow them down too much that they might not publish as often. Still others saw my reasoning but felt footnotes or inline citations would disrupt the reader's experience. In their opinion, the ease of hyperlinking text sufficed. They leaned on leaving footnoting to the academics. Besides, newspapers and magazines, they follow AP style, which doesn't require footnotes, so why should a blogger bother with it? When I started adding footnotes, the inconvenience did slow me down, just as those bloggers predicted. I regretted my vow. I backslid, and I returned to hyperlinking text to online sources instead of footnoting. A recently installed plugin has been alerting me to broken links on my website, and I'm realizing links alone are not enough for proper attribution. Over time, websites delete pages or close down altogether. New companies buy expired domains and publish unrelated content. So those links lead to a 404 page or unrelated content. If I had footnoted those articles, I could have preserved the original source and demonstrated due diligence, even if the actual link eventually turned into a dead end. So now I'm returning to these old articles and blog posts and seeing sentences like, as I found in this article and this blog post, families are slowing down and... So then the words this link out to articles that were live at the time of the writing but are unavailable today. Thankfully, the Internet Wayback Machine helps me locate the original source just to figure out what it said. And then from that information, I can generate an alternative link and create a footnote. But what a hassle. I feel like my client who lost two weeks of her life tracking down end notes for her book. I feel like the suddenly grayed dissertation writer who told Joanna Russ it was the footnotes. If only I had created citations as I published those pieces, I would have saved myself so much time and trouble. And I would have given readers who stumble on the piece a decade later easy ways to dig into the topic. When I see others cite their sources, I view them as more credible because they reveal the writers on whose shoulders they stand. Readers see us as more credible and ethical, too, when we clearly point to our sources. While inconsistent, I'm trying to improve. By including my sources, my readers can trace back to the writers on whose shoulders I stand. Whether you're an author drafting your manuscript or a blogger writing weekly posts, I hope you'll consider citing sources as a new best practice. Just get started. Don't worry about doing it perfectly or updating years of existing posts. Just start with your next post and use apps that generate citations with the click of a button. When you build it into your workflow, you'll see it's not such a hassle. And I hope you'll find in time that it's worth the effort. Now, since there's no easy way to add footnotes to a podcast, be sure to visit the show notes to see where I found that Joanna Russ quote. 
And then if you're not used to documenting sources or creating citations, you may start wondering things like, what's fair use? What's common knowledge? How do I know when an idea is emerging from personal knowledge after years of living, reading, and learning, and when the idea should be credited to someone else? What's the difference between inline, in-text, and parenthetical citations? When do I footnote and when do I create endnotes? And do I need one of those works cited pages I created in high school English class? Do I use MLA, APA, or Chicago Manual of Style formatting? Look, just learn a little each time you write. In time, you'll feel more knowledgeable and confident. And you can simplify the process using citation tools. Try testing out some of these. There's EasyBib, which has been around forever, and there's Chegg's Citation Generator and Chegg's Citation Machine. I'm not sure why they have two, and one might work better than the other, but you can test them. You can try built-in citation features in Microsoft Word. You can use built-in citation features in Google Docs. And then there are Chrome extensions like MyBib that can generate citations from websites just while you're right there, one click away. So the point is, cite sources to serve your readers today and yourself in the future. And if you plan to write a nonfiction book, you'll probably search your blog posts and maybe even Instagram captions for stories, quotes, and ideas to include in that book. Trust me, you'll be so grateful for those footnotes. This episode is brought to you by Craft Your Best Book Proposal, a free training that provides an overview of what goes into book proposals. So you're positioned to take an informed next step on your publishing journey. You can learn more at annkroker.com slash best book proposal. And I'm Ann Croker cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear everywhere we may meet at my website, here on this podcast, in your inbox, or even in person. I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for being here.